Hello, my name is Kristen and I am obsessed with all things play-based and child-led learning. Truly obsessed. I am here to help you navigate the messy and the magical on your journey to a play-based program. It is truly magical on the other side and I want you to feel each day what I feel when I walk into my classroom. I am the homeschool mama to four. I'm the founder of a play and nature-based preschool and forest school and I am here to cheer you on. I'm ready. Are you ready? Let's get going. Hello. I'm so glad you're here today. I got a question on Instagram and it ended with, do you find that your perspective on children's needs are seen as non-traditional or unconventional. And I actually, I have thought about this before, but then it really got me thinking this morning. And so I thought I would put all of my thoughts into a podcast and hope that it's concise, (laughs) that it makes sense to other people. This is going to be just a brain dump. So I think that the question that I want to answer is, is why is play considered unconventional? Why? And why has play become a buzzword? If it's unconventional, then why has it become a buzzword? So I'm going to try to sift through these things in this podcast. My program is in Minnesota. It's called Butterfly Hill Nature Preschool. It was the first of its kind in our community or with even in a two-hour radius. And it very quickly became known as the hippie preschool or the preschool that you send your children to when they are three, but then you switch when they're four so they can go to an academic preschool because they just play. Or the program that doesn't provide any learning. And don't get me wrong, we have our families who get what we do, who appreciate what we do, who seek us out for what we do, but the community at large sometimes does not understand. I don't know, I I mean, I do know why that is, but I also don't know why that is, and it's somewhat baffling, but it's not really baffling at the same time, if that makes any sense at all. I think our program is 100% magic. I say it on every single podcast. Playful learning, learning through play. Play, play is magical. It is a magical way to be. And the children who have who have the ability, the luck, the parents who seek us out to send to our program are the luckiest children in our community because they get to play and they get to be three and they get to be four and they get to be five. I guess I'm going to step back to like seven or eight years ago when I was teaching in a traditional preschool program that did disguise play under teacher-directed activity. That's what I, that is what I thought play was. That is what I was told. That is what college made me believe. I'm, maybe we learned something about play when I was in college, but it was probably so brief. I have no, there was no correlation between what true play is and learning. So when I started teaching in this traditional program, it was probably 10 years ago now, I was told, and I hadn't done my own research because I I was new, I was a newbie. I was a new teacher in, in survival mode. I was, I planned teacher-directed activities. I did and made children participate and thought it was play. I know it's not now and I didn't know any better then but I do know better now, and so I do better now. And if you are anywhere in your play-based journey, 
like it's okay where right where you're at. I, I tell people that all the time because there were times when I felt I should be somewhere where I'm not. So 10 years ago, seven years ago, I thought play was a philosophy. I thought play was a philosophy. I thought that it was another thing, another way of learning. So if you like Montessori or Reggio influenced or Waldorf or um, nature-based, like those things are philosophies and pedagogies of teaching and learning. I thought play was a philosophy, but I, it's not a philosophy. Play is brain science. Research has shown that we all learn through play. Every single mammal, every single human being learns through play not just children, adults too. And everything that I have learned in the last 10 years is because I have, I have chosen to learn those things. I have sought those things out because it's fun and it's interesting and I love it. Right now, my, I'm a homes, I homeschool three of my four children because of COVID and just wanting them to have a year of learning at home where it's not interrupted by being in school, not being in school. So we chose to homeschool three of them. And my kindergartner is so intrigued with the Titanic right now. So we are learning about the Titanic. And through learning about the Titanic, we have learned why boats float. I didn't know what was the science behind <laughs> boats floating. We actually even went to a big ship when we were up in Duluth. Duluth is a port on Lake Superior in Minnesota. And we there's big ocean liners that come through that port, like 1,000 feet long that, that like carry iron ore. And like these ships weigh trillions of tons. Well, I don't know. Maybe not that many. Maybe trillions of pounds. I don't know. But they don't sink. And it we learned so much because he's on this deep dive into ships and titanic and sinking that is play he's learning through play because it's something that he is so intrigued with he also knows that titanic starts with t and that it makes the t sound because because we're also learning about letter sounds because he's he's interested to see what the words are saying on the pages of the books that he's looking at anyhow back to seven years ago i thought play was a philosophy but it's not it's a matter of black and white brain science we learn through play. Why does the mainstream people, the, the everyday Joe, the, the person who maybe hasn't done research on, on developmentally appropriate practice in early childhood education, why do they not see what we see? Why don't they understand that we learn through play? And why isn't this something that is taught to parents in the hospital when they have their baby? Or I, I don't know. I, why isn't it mainstream knowledge? And if it is mainstream knowledge, why is play not being recognized as true play? Why is play being disguised as maybe something fun, but not chosen by the player? So those are the questions rolling around in my brain right now. I'm going to try to sift through them a little bit. So why is it not mainstream? I think, just sorting this out in, the, in my head this morning, Maybe there's a great book or a resource on this. So if you're listening and you have something on this, I'm sure I have something on my shelf about this that I've read a while ago but don't remember. I think as a society as a whole, when we think there's something lacking, we want to do more of something. So if we, if we know that children are not getting outdoors enough and are on screens too much, we would immediately 
try to get our kids off the screen and give them more outdoor time. More, more, more. If we need more money, we're gonna try to make more money. If we need to lose a few pounds, we're not gonna eat more calories. So that one doesn't make sense. If we need to read, learn to read, then we're going to put more books in front of our kids. If we are going to learn more math, need to learn more math, we're gonna put more math in front of our kids. If we see that our children aren't grasping topics that they should be grasping by third grade, then we're gonna like push those topics back to second grade. If we see in first grade that those kids aren't learning to read, then we're gonna push it back to kindergarten because we think mm, maybe earlier is better. Earlier is not better. When it comes to education and learning and brain science, earlier is not better. If you have a three-month-old baby and they are rolling around on the floor, like, you know, learning their first rolls, you're not going to practice walking with them. You're not going to pick them up and move their legs. Earlier is not better in that instance. Earlier is not better in early childhood. It's not. And I, th I think it also has to do with, here's a prime example. In Minnesota, there is a quality rating program called Parent Aware. We are a Parent Aware rated program. However, there was some advertising that was happening a couple of years ago that was, was fear-based and I was livid because it said, I saw it like on the sides of buses in our town and we live in a small town. So there's like this giant media advertising campaign, marketing campaign for Parent Aware. And it um, basically put fear in the hearts of parents. Will your child be ready for kindergarten? Are they falling behind? Like these were the questions that were asked on the sides of these buses. And I wanted to scream at the community, at the, at the parent aware, like don't place fear on the hearts of these parents because children will be ready when they are ready. So I think that that also plays a role in it is that the people making the decisions for what is put into our preschool programs maybe don't have a degree in the brain science behind early childhood education developmentally appropriate practice. Is there a degree in that? I don't even know. Maybe I should get a degree in that. <laughs> Maybe I should be that person to sign up to be the person behind those decisions. Who decides on the standards in your state? The early childhood standards. And also, the, the crazy thing is, is that Minnesota standards, the early childhood education, or the, they're called the Minnesota Early Childhood Indicators of Progress, which if your state doesn't have standards, ours are very good. It's broken down by age, but it's all developmentally appropriate. And um, there's it, there's even a section in the in the lead up to the like the contents of the Minnesota Early Childhood Indicators of Progress about play and how children learn through play and not through rote memorization. So if you're looking into standards at all and you want something to follow in your documentation process, Minnesotas are definitely worth checking out. I think you can just do a quick Google search. Can you tell I get fired up about this? Just a, just a little, just a little fired up about this. I'm gonna try to like bring this down into a concise little one, two, three. So how do we need to make play mainstream? How, what do we need to do in order to make this mainstream and to, in order to make it so it's not, so it's conventional and not unconventional? Why, 
how can we make this play, how can we educate people to um, make play mainstream? I think we need to educate parents, one. Educate community, educate the world. Educate, educate, educate. Parents, community, world. Educate parents, but don't overdo it. I've overdone it. I've learned from that. If you overdo it, it scares people. So <laughs> I don't know where the, the the nice dance is for that, but share articles on your social media channels. Have little webinars and things like that for the parents in your program just to um, talk about play, an introduction to play. Um, show the education of the, the, the learning taking place through the use of documentation in your program. If you aren't familiar with documentation, I did a podcast, I think, two episodes ago about documentation, and I also have a free documentation guide you can find on my website, learning-wild.com. Uh, it's a free 17-page guide to documentation in an early childhood program. So um, go onto the website and grab that. You need to educate your community. Speak at your local college. Go talk to the, if you have like, if there's like an early childhood or a elementary school class, uh, college program, go speak. Get in touch with those college professors. I'm actually speaking at ours October 22nd to the the, the um, students that are part of that program. Invite them into your classroom so they can see it. Host those kids so they can see play in action. Find some new parent groups. Offer to be a, little, a speaker for the evening at the parent groups. Find Get hooked up with your Chamber of Commerce. They have lots of local events, Chambers of Commerces do. Like we had one called Noontime Knowledge where you could sign up to um, fill the community in on a hot, a hot topic or a topic that's um, near and dear to your heart. Um, so yeah, Chamber of Commerce would be a good thing to hook up with. And then educate the world. Start a blog. Post on social media channels. Uh, start a podcast. Just like talk about it. And then be an example. So educate, educate, educate was number one. Number two, be an example. Live it. Breathe it. Look into what true play is. If you're just starting out on this podcast, and this is the first one you've listened to, go back and listen to What is Play. I think it's episode one or two of my podcast. And learn about what true play is. Be an example. Join the U.S. Play Coalition. Join the International Play Association. Be an example for others and live play as if it were the most conventional thing in the world. It is at this point to me. It is conventional and that's why I had to take a step back this morning after I saw that message and really dive into why are we unconventional? <laughs> and the third one, don't fall victim into the mainstream trap. I do it. I still do it. I'm going to give you an example. So in homeschooling my three kids, because we all learn through play, right? Not just early childhood. Everybody learns through play. I thought, oh, we need a curriculum. I, you know, it would be nice to be able to follow something so I know I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing and feel good about this decision to homeschool. So I purchased a curriculum that's quite popular in the nature learning world and printed it all off. I mean, I spent hundreds of dollars for all three of my kids on this curriculum and had it professionally printed and bound and whatnot and like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages and I brought it home and I placed it in front of 
my kids, my kindergartner was super excited about it. My fourth grader looked at it, started opening it, and she goes, Mom, I thought we weren't doing real school. This looks like regular schoolwork. I don't want to do this. And I was like, whoa, you got it, girl. We haven't opened it since. <laughs> I should I should sell it, but I'm not, gonna, I'm not selling it to anybody because I'm not, I'm not, I'm trying not to fall into that mainstream trap. I still fall into it. And so we, it's, you need to listen to people speak or write or post on Instagram about what you feel is important to learn about. What is important to you, you need to seek that out. Keep reminding yourself and keep living the way that you know we are meant to live, which is through play. We are all meant to live through play. If you look at any animal, any mammal, they play. I've posted videos of our kittens playing, our goats playing. Our pig doesn't really play. He's just, I think he's too fat to play. He's so overweight. Our dogs playing, monkeys play, animals play, and it is fascinating because that is how we all, everything learns. And back to the homeschool. So I I have to continually listen to people who have been in the homeschool realm for more years than me to be able to settle into the somewhat un- unschooled, de-schooled method of learning at home, of self-directed learning. And there are times where I still like, oh, what if my kids never go back to school? And what if they don't ever get to have that high school experience? But I need to remind myself of the experiences they will have that nobody else will have. The actual living of life and being together as a family. So those are things I have to remind myself of. I am at a point where I don't have to remind myself that play is learning. I know it. I have seen it, I have lived it, I have documented it. I know in my heart of hearts, there's zero question that play, true play is how we learn. And if you're listening to this, let this be your reminder. Let this settle into your heart. Play is learning. Play is not unconventional. Play is conventional. Play is black and white. Play is brain science. Let this be your reminder if you are in that stage that you're, you question it. And maybe maybe the next podcast we should talk about what to do if you are questioning it. <laughs> um, documentation is one. is one of those things. If you are questioning it, make sure that you are documenting learning. And again, get my guide because it, it's helpful to document learning. And that is a big reason why I have seen over the years that play works. It really does. And it's magic. Thank you for listening. Thank you for going on this ride with me. And I hope you found some value today. If any of it resonated with you, please send me a message on Instagram. I love hearing from people who are listening. It gives me life. It makes me excited. It makes me want to make more podcasts for you. I love hearing from you. So don't be afraid to reach out on Instagram. It's um, at learning.wild. All right. I will see you next week. Hey, I need you to do me a huge, 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 huge favor. If you liked listening and you want to be able to hear more, can you please go on to iTunes and leave me a five-star review? I would so appreciate it. And then connect with me on Instagram. It's learning.wild. We'll see you around.